Thank you for taking time to listen to this sermon from Hope Church Toronto North. It is our prayer that through this message, you are challenged and encouraged by the Word of God and grow in your love for God and love for others. It is God's desire for us to be members of and regularly participate in a local church under the care of qualified elders. If you are not attending a local church right now, we encourage you to take that step. If you do live in the North York area and are looking for a local church, we invite you to visit us at one of our Sunday morning gatherings to discern if this is the church God is leading you to. Good morning, church family. How y'all doing? Good. We're going to be in Hebrews 12, 1 to 4 today. Would you uh, stand with me once you find that and we can read it together? translation. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured for, um, who endured from, from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful so thankful for your word. Your word, every time we come to it, we're reminded that you've not left us in dark. You've not left us without counsel. But you've actually given us all that we need to know for life and godliness in this world. And Father, right now we recognize that in this great reality that we have your word, we, we need to humble ourselves because we can't fully grasp and understand and believe this without your help. We need your spirit to be working in and through us in this time so that your word would transform our hearts, that your word would change us to be more like Jesus. So would you have your way now, Lord? I'm a vessel and I'm thankful for the way that you've prepared me by your spirit throughout this week. But I know that I can't count on yesterday's grace to do what you've called us to do today. And so, Lord, today, would you provide sufficient grace? Would you work by your spirit so that this word would do what only your word can do in changing us? And thank you, Lord. We pray this with great expectation because we know that you are here and we know that you have a work that you want to do among your people today. So we thank you, Lord, and we pray this for your glory and our joy in you. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Mm -hmm. Yeah, so this is one of my favorite passages in the Bible. Um, I I was debating if I should do this, but I'm going to do it anyways because we're uh, family. And so a funny thing happened. Um, In my preparation, I um, somehow clumsily forgot that um, the passage that I was preparing to do, I had actually already preached here. Um, And so I was preparing the message, Colossians um, 1, 3 to 8, and I told a few people that that was the passage. Um, And and no one caught it except for Shayon early this morning. Praise God for Shayon. And so that led to me switching it up and picking this Hebrew passage. Um, But it's funny because what I found throughout the week as I was preparing was there was a little bit of hesitancy around preaching that Colossians passage. And I don't really know why, but I thank God that he has um, allowed me to come to this passage. And in full transparency, I asked Yogi this morning to pick between two passages, and he picked this one. Um, and, and he said he felt that this was um, more in line with what God has been doing in our church and what he wants to say to our church. Um, and I trust our elders So here we are. Um, And so this passage is a passage that where Paul actually paints the picture. Sorry, not Paul. Sorry, I was in Colossians, so forgive me if I say Paul every now and again. It's not, we're not sure who the author is, but uh, he actually sets up this passage with um, uh, an illustration actually throughout it of a runner running a race. And so Being that I'm not a runner, I've gotten a lot of information from my sister-in-law, who is a runner, but I've I've been an athlete before, and one of the things that is a reality about um, any athletic performance is um, you're facing a lot of adversity as you're going through. And so one of the ways that we're helped to complete the race, to complete our task on the field or on the court is through encouragement. And this is one of the, the, uh, the, the heartbeats of this passage. It's encouragement. Encouragement for saints who have been in, um, you could say, the trenches. They've been facing harsh persecution for a long time, and uh, there's temptation as they're seeing more and more of them be in prison, as they're seeing more people suffering, more people being tortured, more people dying for the faith. There's temptation, reasonable temptation, to abandon this journey, to abandon this race. And I was taking in some information from a um, a doctor over the weekend, um, and he was talking about just this the concept of quitting. And he was doing he was doing some studies on quitting, and one of the things that he said he was he was actually painting a picture through his own journey of running a race, and it's funny because. I actually didn't plan on preaching this message, if you remember what I'm saying. So last night, or, or yesterday at some point, I'm going through a message where a doctor's talking about running a race and quitting. So God is so good. But he, he points out that um, as he's running the race, often when he gets to three quarters of the way about that, he'll have a moment where he realizes that he's in a race. And he realizes that he's been running for a long time. And he realizes that his legs are hurting and that he's tired and he's thirsty. 
And it's interesting how in a moment, all of the realities of, of what you're doing come back to you, flood to you. And he's like, that um, intensifies the desire to quit. He's like, for, for, for three quarters of the way, he's, he's actually doing fine as he's focusing on other things, as his mind and his attention isn't focused on the, the task at hand so much. He's just sort of doing what he naturally does you know, as he's moving one foot before the other, he, he goes. But the moment that he starts to focus in on the pain and on the length, all of a sudden, he, he loses sight of how far he's come. He loses sight of how close he is to the end. Discouragement starts to set in. And he's tempted at that point to quit. And so one of the things that he points out in this is, Often the, the way in which you overcome that, that, that point when you're three quarters of the way where you feel like quitting is you need encouragement. Say that with me, encouragement. 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 And this is sort of a picture that Paul is actually, or the author is actually dealing with in this text. He's dealing with believers who have come so far and it's funny, I was talking to someone about this the other day. It's like, you know, when we talk about the, the return of Christ, the consummation of time, there's always this language of like, we're, we're closer than we were when we first begun. You've heard that? But it's, it's hard to like fully grasp that because you realize that Paul was saying that in his day. And Peter was saying that in his day. And so we're still saying that. It makes it feel like, you know, well, we're not as close right? But how many know that we don't actually know that time? We don't know that hour. We don't know when Christ will return. Amen? Amen. And so the reality of us being closer than we were when we first began, obviously that is so true, but, but being able to really conceptualize what that means for us is we actually could find ourselves in, we're in the last days, and we could find ourselves in that three-quarter of the way journey, feeling tempted to give up, losing sight of how far we've come, how close we are. And so God provides encouragement. And one of the, the first things that he does in this text is he starts with the team. In fact, actually, this, this entire section that I'm looking at, this, this message could be re actually preached um, through 1 to 11, but from 1 to 4 here, there's actually a beautiful picture of the team that is running with us. Look at the text again. He says, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, this passage right away tells us that we've got to look backwards. I've, I've learned this. Um, when, you, when you see therefore in the text, you've got to ask, what is it there for? That takes you backwards. And we learn from Hebrews 11, we get this picture of saints throughout time who have run the race of faith. Not perfect people, just people who have trusted in Jesus, they've trusted in God, and they've continued to, to run their leg. And we see actually from this a beautiful reminder. And it's the first thing that, that, that Paul kind of brings us to is 
this reminder that we are not alone in this race. We're not alone in this journey of faith. Amen? Amen. God has placed us in the fellowship, in his body, in his family. And so even people who have passed on, who are not physically with us anymore, are in, in a way encouraging us to continue on question you should ask me is how? Say how, Jermaine. How do they encourage us from the grave? And I'll say very simply, God has written a book that records the struggles, the temptations, the trials, the victories, the endurance of saints throughout history. Think about this. We've got a book that tells us from the very beginning of time what God has been doing to preserve his people in this race. And it reminds us how important it is for us to continually be reading God's word, studying it. I, I like to give us things to think about as we're reading, because so, sometimes the temptation is to read it as a check mark. But I want to encourage you to lean in and consider that God has placed things here to encourage us. He's given us stories of people to encourage us. Sometimes, I'm, I'm, uh, this is true of me too. I'll, I'll, I often listen to scripture um, on my way to work. And sometimes it's just su such a mindless task. I put the, 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 the podcast on and it's going and you know, I'm hearing about all these weird names and places that, that I've never been. And you know what I mean? I don't, I'm not focused. I'm not locking in. But every now and then God will he'll remind me, hey, hey, pay attention to what you're listening to, right? You're about to go to work. You're about to face all kinds of things, circumstances that you have no control over, that you've not planned for. And you don't know how I'm trying to prepare you and encourage you and sustain you through this with what seems like nonsense in what you're hearing. So we ought to, we ought to take seriously and really be grateful and appreciate that God has given us his word. Another thing that we get from the cloud of witnesses is we get an understanding that this race is actually less like a solo sprint and more like a relay. And so we get that when we actually go back a little bit. In Hebrews 11, it says, and all these, these are our teammates in the race of faith who ran before us. He says, all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised. For he says, since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. There is this beautiful way in which God has linked us together in this journey. That as we run the race, we're not just, um, we're not just running a, you know, solo, we're actually running, having received the baton, having received from those who went before us the commission to go on in this race. We're running our leg. And running faithfully 
running committed to this is something that doesn't just help you individually. It does. It means you get to enter glory. But there's also a way in which God has tied all of us together in this, that there's a glory that we're meant to see as we all, everyone who's meant to complete the race, enters in and finishes. He's linked us together. And it further emphasizes the importance of us encouraging each other and supporting each other through this race. The Colossians 1, 3 to 8 passage, one of the really beautiful things about it that I'm just going to lift really quickly from it is Paul writes his letters. And often in his letters, he begins by acknowledging the good things, the good fruit that he's seeing in believers. And he does this to encourage them. How encouraging is it, right? Remember what I said before, how easy it is when we've gone a little long and we're at that three-quarter spot and, and, and we lose sight of all that we've done. We've lose sight of how far God has taken us. We lose sight of how close we are. And so to have someone stop and acknowledge, like, hey, God has brought you far. God has kept you in this. Remember where you were. Someone who will point out the fruit, the good fruit that is being bore and let you know that they're continually praying for you. This is how Paul continually encourages the churches throughout um, that, 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 the known world at that time to continue on in the, in the race of faith. And so I wanna encourage us today that we would be people who are paying attention to the good fruit that is being produced by your brothers and sisters in the faith and encourage them, remind them that God has taken them a far far way and that he's closer than when we first begun. And so it's, it's, it's a relay, not a solo. And another thing we get from this is we get this reality that we are We're not creating our own path. We're not creating our own idea of what this race is, of what our destination is. This relay idea reminds us of this. You're taking on a baton. This, This is the fact that this gospel that we hold dearly, this gospel has been passed down from generation to generation. One of the worst things that a a preacher can do is try to give you something brand new. This is an ancient gospel. Amen? Generation to generation, this truth has been passed down. It's tried and tested and true. It's not brand new. It's not a new idea. And sometimes that could make us a little bit weary we might feel like this, this gospel might not be applicable to our age. It might not be relevant today. But our, 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 our job, our task in this is to test and try again and again the gospel. See that it is true. Know that, that this word is the, the only truth that can transform our lives. So it's not a new message it's not a new race. We're continuing on in this race that, that has, has been started from the very beginning as God has been calling people to himself 
and setting them on this path. Amen? Amen. We go on in the passage and he says, Let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. This picture of weight and sin is, I like to deal with it in sort of two parts, but it can be seen actually as sort of one thing, any encumbrance, anything that'll keep you from finishing the race. But weight and sin kind of give us a little bit of a different picture here. Sin, we kind of, we, we get that. Right, Sin is anything that goes against what God says is good, that misses the mark of what God says is righteous. And there's a number of areas where we can examine our own hearts and our own lives and see that we are, we've got sin that, that is, is easy for us to slip up into. Everyone's got it. So feel no ways. Right? Everyone's got it. That's why... John said that if you say you're without sin, you're a liar. So we've all got that. And so we need to definitely examine our hearts and check and see, what's the sin that trips me up easily? And I want to say, like, we ought to be good at thinking through and, and even asking for help and seeking ways to really prevent ourselves from being tempted by that sin again and again. If you struggle with alcohol, Right? Let people know. Don't be going over to people's house and when they point to the liquor cabinet, you're kind of quiet and you know, thinking through how you can... No, no. Right? You stay out the bars. You let your family and friends know, hey, you know what? This is something I, I, I got to stay away from. Right? So we get the sin, but the weight is helpful because it's slightly different in that sometimes the things that trip us up, that knock us off track, that take our focus off in the race aren't sin. They're good things that God has given us to enjoy in this life. Right? Relationships are good things in many ways that God has given us to enjoy in this life. Jobs, our jobs, entertainment, all these things could be really good things that God has given us to enjoy He's given us eyes, he's given us mouths, he's given us, he wants us to smell good things. But when these things become the ultimate thing in our life, when they take the throne of God, when we allow these things to dethrone God, and I wanna be clear about it, is when these things start to consume you in such a way that you can't give your time and attention to God the way you should. That God can't tell you, you know what, you're not going here today, you're going here. And you can't move where God tells you to go. You've got a problem. Do you understand? When your time in the word, when your time in prayer has to take second place to your job, you've got a problem. You've got a weight that clings so closely that it's tripping you up in the race. Any runner knows, I'm not a runner, but it's pretty obvious that if you've got extra weight on, you've got a problem, right? And so in this, he's reminding us, it's not just the things that are clearly sin in scripture that you've got to watch out for. 
It's anything that takes the place of God, anything that dethrones God in your life. And this might take a little bit more stopping and examining our hearts and examining our lives. Why is it that I can't spend more than 10 seconds in prayer and it's gotta be while I'm on the move? Why is it that I can never develop a habit of staying in God's word? What's going on in my life that that makes these things take second place, that makes God take second place? We serve a God who is gracious and kind, but he will not take second place to anything in your life. So Paul says, or the author says, watch those things. Lay aside the weight and sin that clings closely. Why? He says, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Run with endurance the race that is set before us. I'm gonna continue on. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. He says, looking to Jesus, and it reminds me always of my favorite hymn, turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of this world will grow strangely dim. The reason why I said that passage of run with endurance, looking to Jesus right away, because we can't ever figure out what that, what that means, how to run with endurance, until we see that he requires us to look to Jesus. And the things of this world will grow strangely dim is a reality for us, and that's what this passage is teaching. The way we run with endurance in the race of faith is by fixing our eyes on Jesus. As much as we can take time to put things in, in place to keep ourselves from falling into sin, as much as we can create schedules and, and, and create reorder, reorient our lives to have time in prayer and time in the word, these things are all very important. But let me make no mistake, if you are not using these things to help you to look to Jesus, you're not gonna make it. And I wanna be clear, look to Jesus is, what it it really points to is this idea that we are not just looking at him in a sense of like, you know, him being our model. That's definitely one. But more importantly is we're looking to him as our only hope. We're looking to Jesus as the one who can guarantee that we can finish this race, who can guarantee the victory. It's a beautiful picture because it, again, brings us back to the team. We are on a team, but guess who Jesus is on that team? He's He's the one we're all looking to. He's Usain Bolt on this team, right? He guarantees us the victory He has run his leg of the race so perfectly that all we have to do is make it past past the finish line. Do you understand that? We don't have to, 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 to pound the pavement. We don't gotta train to be the fastest person, right? We don't have to do a lot. All we have to do is cross the finish line and we're on the winning team. He has done what no one else could do in living 
the life of righteousness, perfect righteousness that we could not live. He's done what no one else can do in dying the death that we deserve and overcoming the grave by being raised to life, to newness of life. And he's seated at the right hand of God the Father, interceding for us. We've got a cloud of witnesses that's encouraging us, and that's wonderful. But how great and and amazing it is to know that we have our Lord and Savior interceding for us. Amen? Amen? So we look to Jesus, our only hope. One other thing that it tells us that Jesus does says that he is the founder and perfecter of our faith. Anyone who's watched the Olympics, anyone who's maybe paid a little bit of attention to who's competing understands this, that you can't enter a race like the Olympics without qualifying. Say qualifying. qualifying. You've got to qualify. Right? It would be dangerous for them to let just anybody run. Right? If I decided, you know what, like one day I wake up and I'm like, you know what, I, I kind of want to do that. I want to see if I can take Usain Bolt, you know, at this time. I think he's a lot older. I'm like, you know what, he's slower. Right? He's slower. People are challenging him now. Maybe I could do it. I still got to qualify because they realize, you know what, Jermaine, this might be a, a, a height that you are not fit for. And it could take you out. Right? The reality is we would never make it into the race without Jesus. He is the founder and perfecter of our faith. That means he has given us the ability to qualify for the race of faith. The founder of our faith. This is the race of faith. And he is the one that has given us, he has founded the faith that has has qualified us to be able to enter in. Founder of our faith. He qualifies us first. And do you hear it? The perfecter of our faith. Remember I said that we're looking to him knowing that he is our only hope of finishing the race. He is the one who makes it possible for us to have any hope when we get to that three-quarter and we're like, you know what? I don't think I can do this. He reminds us, hey, 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 I got you. I've given you someone who's working inside you right now, my Holy Spirit, and he enables you to do what you could not do in your own ability. Right? He's, he's letting you know, I've given you the ability to endure that last quarter. You can make it. You can make it. He is the founder, the one who qualifies us, and the perfecter of our faith. We go on and it says, who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. This explanation here of what he's doing is so helpful for us. Starts off with telling us that for the joy that was set before him, he endured. He endured the hardship of the cross. It's a beautiful picture of this reality that, that a lot of times when, while we struggle in the race is because we fail to see that the finish line is just up there. We lose sight 
of where we're going. We lose sight of what we're aiming for. And so in, the, in a way that Jesus helps model things for us, the author points out that he fixed his eyes on the joy that was set before him. That's key, the joy. This reminds us that often what we lose sight of is, is heaven. We lose sight of the fact that we're not just running to, to make it past the line, we're running towards a glory that cannot be matched by anything we've experienced in this life. That's what we're running towards. It's, it's, it's motivation for us when we reset our focus on this idea, this reality that we are aiming for. We're running for the end goal of being with our God for all of eternity. No more suffering, no more tears, no more hardship. The pain that you feel will come to an end. The sorrow that you feel will come to an end. Just read Revelations 20 and go on and you will see that there's a glorious end awaiting us that is promised and has been secured by Jesus. So he tells us, fix our eyes. I wanna encourage you. I, I, I said it earlier that often the encouragement we, God has given us is right here in this book that he's written. I wanna encourage you to spend some time reading through Revelation. Sometimes it's kind of, oh man, that's a lot, you know? But, but I love reading Revelations 20 to 22 and just seeing and being reminded of what God has promised us, seeing how he promises to overcome the sin and corruption of this world and put a final end to all of it, seeing how he promises no more tears, no more suffering, no more night, that he will become our son forevermore. How amazing is that? We can't even fathom. I was in Hawaii earlier this year and, and the experience was so uplifting. It was so amazing that like I constantly think about what it would be like to, to just live there, you know? And I have friends who live there and we've spoken about how that could be possible. Um, but, but the reality is that was just a, a foretaste. It was just a sample of the glory that God has for us in eternity, in heaven, what he's got prepared for us. When we fix our eyes on that, we can, in, we can find strength to endure. And Jesus has modeled that for us. So he encourages us in that. Fixing who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. It says despising the shame. Right, this is, this is the reality that the cross was something that, that wasn't just about um, suffering and dying. It was actually about putting our Lord and Savior on display in a shameful way, ridiculing him. And it reminds us that, that as we're running this race, we ain't gonna make friends all along the way from everyone who's watching that there's gonna be some people who heckle, some people who throw stones at us, some people who look at us and say, you're a fool. That's what you believe? Look at the worlds around us. Look at all the beauty, beauty that you can enjoy, how free you can be. That's what you're living for? That's what you're spending your life doing? That'll come. 
Jesus told us that, that, that because we follow him, persecution in this life is guaranteed. And he told us that to encourage us so that we wouldn't lose sight of, of what we're in, of the reality that we're in. This is in our home. Amen? This is in our final destination. So this reminds us that we should expect persecution, but he despised the shame of the cross. And what helps you do that again is fixing your eyes, knowing where you're going, knowing what you're heading for. When everyone's ridiculing you and telling you that you're stupid, for fool, foolish for, for following this, for believing this at this time in, in history, you can say, you don't know what I know. Amen? Amen. You don't know what I know. You don't know where I'm going, right? And, you, and, and we ought to live in such a way that every moment, even when people are ridiculing and making fun of us, we're, we're constantly pointing them to the cross. We're pointing them to Jesus. We're pointing them to the promise of God, amen? Despising his shame, and I was seated at the right hand of the throne of God. I won't spend a lot of time on that because what I said before is that, that we have a Lord and Savior We've got a victor who is a part of the, the cloud of witnesses that is constantly encouraging us to go on. In this book, we have testaments of the life and the work of Jesus. I was saying it to someone I grew up in, in a church where the gospel was kind of seen as sort of the entranceway into the kingdom but once you heard the gospel and believed it, you've entered in, you don't need it anymore. You move on to bigger and better things. I wanna say that that is so wrong. The gospel is actually what's meant to continually fuel us, to continue on in the race. We need a daily dose of reminder of the gospel. We need it. And so this, this picture of, of Jesus seated at the right hand of the throne of God reminds us that there is a need that we have to continually look and see what he has done for us. Look at the grace and mercy that he has provided for us. The gospel reminds us of this again and again. It's a good idea to have a, a few verses that remind you clearly of the gospel that you're memorizing. This is something that someone taught me really early on. We don't tend to talk a lot about memorizing scripture today, but I would encourage us, if you can find some passages that get you to the, to the gospel message really clean and really clear, memorize those verses. Amen? Amen? He goes on to say, verse three, consider him who endured for sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted in your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. This is how I want to end this, this part of, the, of this, this series. It's not a series for our church, but yeah. It's, it's really beautiful to see that God has given us so much to encourage us along the way. I said before that Jesus has run and done what no one else could do. 
He's run a leg of the race that makes it so that all we got to do is cross the line. But what we need to understand is, is the fullness of this is that he has actually taken from us a weight that we could not carry on our own. He has suffered what we couldn't suffer in this race. And this is the reality of what, how we've entered into, what we've entered into. Is we have a God who has suffered in our place. Our Savior has suffered in our place. He's endured what we could not endure on our own. This should remind us of, of the passage that says, um, where, where he says to take my yoke upon you. Give me your yoke. My burden is easy and light. This is the, the offer that Jesus provides to everyone who would come to him. Whatever you've been struggling with in this race, whatever you've been struggling with in this life, he's like, I'll take that on. And what he's really talking about is the ultimate thing is your sin, the weight of your sin, the consequence of your sin that one day you will have to stand before God and give account for. Jesus is willing to take that weight off of you and carry that weight. In fact, he has successfully carried that weight through the finish line. Every single person on this planet can have their sins completely covered by Jesus. This is what he's, he's pointing us to here. And he says that this actually should help us so that we don't grow weary and faint-hearted to remember that the weight that we have is lighter because of what Jesus has done to remember that, that what we've got to suffer in this race is lighter because of what Jesus has done. And that we've not yet endured to the point of shedding our blood, the resisted to the point of shedding our blood, is a reminder that, that, that part of this journey is we're following that in, in his footsteps. We're following in this journey. The journey is a journey of suffering. He, he tells us this in so many parts of scripture that it's not gonna be an easy race. And this is all the more the reason that we need encouragement to endure. The encouragement that he provides by reminding us that we are on a team of, of saints throughout history, all of history, who have run and God has given them strength and he's given them wisdom and he's given them power to endure beyond their ability. He encourages us by, by reminding us that on our team is our great victor who has endured the cross, suffered and died in our place. He's taken on him what we could not. Jesus, our hope of making it through has already done all the necessary work so that all we have to do is cross the finish line. And he gives us strength to do that. This passage is encouraging us in this time to, to continue in this race, to endure in this race. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. I'm just gonna read the, the whole thing again. I just think it's such a beautiful passage and 
I want it to just wash over us. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured for sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this reality that you've given us that, that you have done more for us than we could do for ourselves. You have given us, you've qualified us to be in this race. You have given us the guarantee of victory. You perfect our faith. We will make it to the end, not because uh, we're good enough, not because of our own strength, but because of what you have accomplished. So Lord, we thank you, Lord, for this reminder. Thank you for the encouragement that your word is to us. I pray that we would be a people who, who love spending time in your word and seeing how you continually work in the lives of your people to help them on in the race. Thank you, Lord, for this time that we got to spend. And I pray that you would be accomplishing what only you can accomplish through it in our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. For more resources or information about Hope Church, visit hopetorontonorth.com.